This is Riz Hatton with the Becker Stencil Plus DSO podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Elliot Seibel, CEO and co-founder of Select Into Management. Elliot, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So uh, just to jump into things here, could you introduce yourself and tell us about your background? Absolutely. So uh, Elliot Zybel, I am uh, the co-founder and chief executive officer of Select Dental Management. Uh, Select Dental Management was founded in 2018 by myself and uh, a a lifelong friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jonathan Mason. And we are a dental partnership organization. Uh, We currently support 38 practices in eight states. Uh, prior to starting Select Dental, uh, I was an institutional investor and entrepreneur um, and invested in uh, all sorts of types of companies at different stages of, of or life cycles of, of the, those companies. So all the way from early ideas that weren't businesses up to multi-billion dollar uh, companies in a variety of sectors, including healthcare and consumer. Awesome. Thanks for sharing a bit about your background. My first question for you today is what trends are you following most closely in dentistry and in healthcare? Uh, well, in dentistry, I think that the, the trends most people are, are focused on these days are, you know, first off, labor inflation, clearly a, a theme, not just in dental or healthcare, but in the broader economy. But I think, um, you know, given the specialization in, in dentistry for hygienists and assistants, uh, I think that that that's obviously been been something that is is has been a big challenge. Um, the labor inflation, in addition to staffing shortages, and you know the challenge uh, when you're trying to fill positions to get high quality applicants and uh, uh, to be able to fill those positions, I think something that that we continue to see, and, and I think that uh, most groups and, and and dental practice owners are seeing. Um, so those are things that we're we're definitely watching closely. In addition to cancellation rates um, and and the impact and continued impact of, of COVID on uh, staffing availability and working days in addition to uh, cancellation rates uh, for our patients that, uh, that are um, you know, getting COVID for the first, second or third times in some cases. Uh, so those are all things I think we're, we're keeping a close eye on um, you know, in, in dentistry and more broadly. And uh, you know, those, those are things that I think uh, you know, my peers and, and, and older folks in uh, in, in different parts of healthcare are focused on as well. Interesting. And in the next few years, how do you see the labor force changing? You know, I, I think it, 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 it comes down to supply and demand. So uh, I think that, you know, we, we need to see incremental graduates coming out of hygiene school and assisting schools to be able to, you know, I think subdue inflation rates, but, you know, I think, we are thankful that you know we are uh, effectively fully staffed in, in, in all of our practices, um, and I think the best way to uh, solve the problem here is to, to do a, a better job on employee retention, which is something you know we really focus on. It's one of our uh, one of the four key things we focus on to evaluate success of our overall business and our practices is employee engagement and turnover. And so um, I think in the interim, while we wait for that, you know incremental supply of, of, of hygienists and assistants to, uh, to, to, to kind of broaden the employee base, I think it's, it's critical to make sure that we're providing great environments uh, and uh, uh, you know, great experiences for our team members.
So kind of looking ahead, what excites you most about the future and what makes you nervous? Yeah, so I mean, excitement, there, there's a lot of exciting things going on, you know, in the industry. I think the technology adoption um, in various components of dentistry is, is, is exciting. I think, you know, I would probably segment into a few components. One is the maybe more patient-facing technology. Um, so those are technologies that are enabling uh, a better patient experience, a more seamless experience with, you know, digital automation um, and, and just, I think, adopting some of the best practices we see in other parts of healthcare and, and also in other consumer businesses that are really focused on um, making it easier and more convenient for, for patients um, throughout their, their, their journey through, through, um, through their engagement with, with, with our practices. And, uh, and that's something I think that's, you know, we're really looking, looking at and really trying to optimize all the way from clearly digital forms and, um, but also, um, you know, better ways to communicate with treatment planning and, you know, bills and all sorts of other things to make sure that, you know, really you can use your phone um, for a lot of components of, of that patient journey. Um, so that's one component of it. The second component of it, I think, is more in the patient care realm. So, um, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, innovation in artificial intelligence uh, being used for, uh, you know, mining of, of x-rays and, and information, um, in addition to artificial intelligence to, um, you know, create better efficiencies and automation in, in formally very administrative, time-consuming tasks. So I think that that's another, you know, big opportunity that we're very excited about um, and, and evaluating um, and, and, and different ways and testing in different ways. Um, you know, I think the theme of automation in general is, is, is a big one, right? Especially when you talk about labor force challenges, how can we automate administrative tasks via robotics, uh, via uh, data warehouse, which is something we've invested in pretty heavily. How can we create automation of those tasks to free up people's time to focus on things that are really driving patient care and patient experience? So that's something we're very focused on. And, um, you know, lastly, in technology, I, I would say, you know, there's a lot going on in revenue cycle management, uh, and there's just a lot of opportunities to improve that overall process, whether it's insurance verification, uh, billing, accounts receivable follow-up, insurance claims submission, and management. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, new companies popping up. It, it's almost a full-time job just to keep up with the new companies and new solutions that are out there. Um, and we see a lot of innovation happening in, in revenue cycle management, particularly. And the last thing I think that's exciting and, and interesting is the, you know, the integration of medical and dental, right? We all know that dentistry is about more than just teeth and your oral health is, is very much linked to your systemic health. And it's been interesting to see, um, you know, the first integrated, truly integrated models that are uh, starting to, to uh, we're starting to see in the marketplace and it's, it's, it's very intriguing. It makes a lot of sense. And so interested to see where, where that goes over time. Um, what makes me nervous? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not too nervous about too many things. I mean, obviously the, the macro environment at the moment is, is, is challenging and the combination of challenging and challenges in macro and labor inflation is one I've never encountered. And I think many folks in my position have, have not encountered in their, their, their lifetime. So that's certainly a concern. I think that, you know, dovetailing off the macro, I think access to capital 
is absolutely changed, right? Um, I think versus six months ago, it's harder to find capital. It's more expensive. And I think capital providers are being more selective in the types of folks that they're partnering with. Um, so that's something that I think is, uh, is, is a reality and, and, and it's unclear how long that lasts. Um, and, uh, you know, I think uh, those are the things that, that, that I think I'm, you know, sort of monitoring at a high level. But, you know, I think for us, we always focus on controlling what we can control. And, um, you know, I think if, if you have a healthy uh, business or practice that's, you know, um, providing great care for patients and generating healthy cash flow that can sustain that business, then, you know, you have a lot of options. If you're, uh, if you're not running a healthy business and you're not generating cash flow and you have a lot of leverage, um, I think that's, that's a, a little bit more of a concerning environment, but we're, we're fortunate to have a, a group of, of very uh, positive capital partners. And, and uh, so we, we feel uh, you're very secure in, in that relationship. So when talking about the things that you were excited about, you mentioned robotics a bit. Do you see robotics becoming more popular in the future? Yeah, I think robotics are used in, in, in uh, automation for many components of healthcare and many other industries. And the way I think about it, if it's anything that is, um, you know, data entry or pulling information from one place and entering it into another, there's 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 a good chance that that uh, bots or robotics can 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 automate those tasks. So you know, frankly, we're early on in that in that journey of, you know, figuring out how to leverage um, data pulls and um, gathering data with robotics, and then on the on the other side, taking that data. And using robotics to, you know, drive, you know, uh, automation or to drive decisions is something that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're very much involved in the middle of. And, you know, we've seen that work in other industries. Uh, you know, dentistry, I think, has some, some more uh, technology stack challenges with the, the PMS systems that, that most of us are, are using. But I think that um, there's, there's some innovation going on in, in the space that is really focused on, you know, how do we create automation um, via robotics of redundant or administrative tasks. Interesting. So looking ahead, how do you plan to grow your practice and what investments make sense for you right now? Yeah, so uh, for us, it's always the same, right? In our mind, we have uh, locations in, in, um, in uh, suburban um, uh, geographies where there's generally very high retention of patients or that is at least if there's not, there should be. So we think of it almost like a subscription type of, of business where, you know, we have our active patients and we, we really care a lot about what's the number of active patients in our practice or in our system. We define those as patients, uh, unique patients that have been in the practice over the past 18 months. And we're always looking to improve active patient growth and, and, and the way to do that, the easiest and, um, most impactful way is not new patient growth, which a lot of people focus on, but it's actually retention of our existing patients. If we can retain, you know, 90% plus of our existing patients, then it's much easier to grow active patients and grow our practice. So we're really focused on 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 that component of it uh, on the retention side, and on the new patient side, new patients are clearly an important part of of any practice. So making sure that you know we understand our customer acquisition costs by channel making sure we're answering phones, converting calls into appointments and retaining those new patients is the second part of driving active patient growth. Uh, so we continue to invest a lot of time into, into 
and resource into ensuring that that's happening throughout our, our system. I think one thing we're focusing more on is, you know, it's interesting, you know, more than 40% of the U.S. population doesn't regularly see a dentist, which is kind of staggering if you think about it. And so, um, well, that number is, is higher than we see in our patient population, there's still a fair amount of people that um, either don't reschedule hygiene appointments or they cancel and don't reschedule appointments and that just fall out of the system. So we're making a big push to increase our hygiene capacity so we can provide preventative care for all of our patients. Because, you know, at the moment, when we look at how many hygiene hours we have versus how many patients we have, we don't have enough capacity to, to let alone, um, you know, service our existing patients and, and also service, um, you know, new patients on a, you know, biannual basis. And, and obviously some need more regularly care if they're in you know, perio maintenance programs, et cetera. So that's something we're, we're really focusing on and, and it's, it's a challenge, right? Um, we have to focus on reactivation. We've got to focus on, you know, hiring, staffing. Uh, do we have capacity constraints in the practice? Do we need to extend hours? So I think that initiative, you know, really impacts a, a lot of different components of, of our business, um, but it's something that's obviously critically, critically important. And then the third thing I think we're, we're thinking about is how do we improve the level of patient care? Uh, we're starting with hygiene. We view hygiene as the gateway to the overall practice. And, you know, hygienists are spending a lot more time typically with the patients than, than doctors. And, uh, and so we're really investing in learning and education programs so that our hygienists are up to date on new clinical standards that emerge and new technologies that have emerged to help reduce um, the risk of caries and periodontal disease and overall improve the, the, the oral and systemic health of our patients. So that's something, you know, we're actively investing in uh, and, and we're actually piloting a program with um, uh, about 20 of our practices in September to, to kind of formally introduce uh, those, uh, you know, standards and, and programs that I think will be very well received uh, by our hygienists and our patients. Uh, and then lastly, I think patient experience. There, there's a lot, uh, we talked about it earlier about, you know, can we make the whole patient journey uh, more efficient, more enjoyable? Um, can we leverage technology to improve patient experience and to improve efficiency? So, you know, we've seen that work in lots of other industries within medical. Uh, and I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity for us, um, you know, as, as a company and as an industry to, to really be, you know, a bit more, I would say, um, uh, patient-centric in the way we operate and the way we allow people to book appointments and what times we're open and things like that. So I think we're, we're really thinking hard about, you know, how can we provide a better experience, you know, for our patients and, and leveraging, you know, technology and, and, and other, uh, other things to do that. Fantastic. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for this uh, wonderful discussion. I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you very much. Appreciate having you.